0: Chapter three of the hour of the dragon by Robert E. Howard This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Chapter three the cliffs real The Apollonian host was drawn up long serried lines of pikemen and horsemen in gleaming steel when a giant figure in black armor emerged from the royal pavilion and as he swung up into the saddle of the black stallion held by four squires a Roar that shook the mountains went up from the host They shook their blades and thundered forth their acclaim of their warrior king Knights in gold chased armor pikemen in mail coats and bassinets Archers in their leather jerkins with their long bows in their left hand the host on the opposite side of the valley was in motion Trotting down the long, gentle slope toward the river, their steel shone through the mists of morning that swirled about their horses' feet. The Aquilonian host moved leisurely to meet them. The measured tramp of the armored horses made the ground tremble. Banners flung out long, silken folds in the morning wind. Lances swayed like a bristling forest, dipped and sank, their pennons fluttering about them ten men-at-arms grim taciturn veterans who could hold their tongues guarded the royal pavilion one squire stood in the tent peering out through a slit in the doorway but for the handful in the secret no one else in the vast host knew that it was not conan who rode on the great stallion at the head of the army the aquilonian host had assumed the customary formation the strongest part was the center, composed entirely of heavily armed knights. The wings were made up of smaller bodies of horsemen, mounted men at arms mostly, supported by pikemen and archers. The latter were Bossonians from the western marches, strongly built men of medium stature in leather jerkins and iron headpieces. The Nemedian army came on in similar formation, and the two hosts moved toward the river, the wings in advance of the centers. In the center of the Aquilonian host, the great lion banner streamed its billowing black folds over the steel-clad figure on the black stallion. But on his dais in the royal pavilion, Conan groaned in anguish of spirit and cursed with strange heathen oaths. The hosts moved together, quoth the squire watching from the door. Hear the trumpets peal. Ha! The rising sun strikes fire from lance-heads and helmets until I am dazzled. It turns the river crimson. Ha! It will be truly crimson before this day is done. The foe have reached the river. Now arrows fly between the hosts like stinging clouds that hide the sun. Ha! Well loosed, bowmen. The Bossonians have the better of it. Hark to hear them shout faintly in the ears of the king above the din of trumpets and clanging steel came the deep fierce shout of the bossonians as they drew and loosed in perfect unison their archers seek to hold ours in play while their knights ride into the river said the squire the banks are not steep they slope to the water's edge the knights come on they crash through the willows by the clothyard shafts find every crevice of their harness. Horses and men go down, struggling and thrashing in the water. It is not deep, nor is the current swift, but men are drowning there, dragged under by their armor and trampled by the frantic horses. Now the knights of Aquilonia advance. They ride into the water and engage the knights of Nemedia. The water swirls about their horses' bellies, and the clang of sword against sword is deafening, burst in agony from conan's lips life was coursing sluggishly back into his veins but still he could not lift his mighty frame from the dais the wings close in said the squire pikemen and swordmen fight hand to hand in the stream and behind them the bowmen ply their shafts by mithra the nemedian arbalesters are sorely harried and the bossonians arch their arrows to drop amid the rear ranks their center gains not a foot and their wings are pushed back up from the stream again crom ymir and mitra raged conan gods and devils could i but reach the fighting if but to die at the first blow outside through the long hot day the battle stormed and thundered. The valley shook to charge and countercharge, to the whistling of shafts and the crash of rending shields and splintering lances. But the hosts of Aquilonia held fast. Once they were forced back from the bank, but a countercharge with the black banner flowing over the black stallion regained the lost ground, and like an iron rampart they held the right bank of the stream and at last the squire gave Conan the news that the Nemedians were falling back from the river. "'The wings are in confusion,' he cried. "'Their knights reel back from the swordplay. "'But what is this? "'Your banner is in motion. "'The center sweeps into the stream. "'By, Mitra, Valanus is leading the host across the river.' "'Fool!' groaned Conan. "'It may be a trick.' He should hold his position. By dawn Prospero will be here with the Poitainian levies. The knights ride into a hail of arrows, cried the squire, but they do not falter. They sweep on. They have crossed. They charge up the slope. Pallantides has hurled the wings across the river to their support. It is all he can do. The lion banner dips and staggers above the Malay. The knights of Nemedia make a stand. They are broken. They fall back. Their left wing is in full flight, and our pikemen cut them down as they run. I see Valanus riding and smiting like a madman. He is carried beyond himself by the fighting lust. Men no longer look to Pallantides. They follow Valanus, deeming him Conan as he rides with closed visor. But look, there is method in his madness he swings wide of the nemedian front with five thousand knights the pick of the army the main host of the nemedians is in confusion and look their flank is protected by the cliffs but there is a defile left unguarded it is like a great cleft in the wall that opens again behind the nemedian lines by mitra valana sees and seizes the opportunity he has driven their wing before him And he leads his knights toward that defile they swing wide of the main battle they cut through a line of spearmen they charge into the defile an ambush cried conan striving to struggle upright no shouted the squire exultantly the whole nemedian host is in full sight they have forgotten the defile they never expected to be pushed back that far oh fool fool tarascus to make such a blunder ah i see lances and pennons pouring from the further mouth of the defile beyond the nemedian lines they will smite those ranks from the rear and crumple them mitra what is this he staggered as the walls of the tent swayed drunkenly afar over the thunder of the fight rose a deep bellowing roar indescribably ominous the cliffs reel shrieked the squire ah oh, god what is this the river foams out of its channel and the peaks are crumbling uh, the ground shakes and horses and riders in armor are overthrown the cliffs uh, the cliffs are falling with his words there came a grinding rumble and a thunderous concussion and the ground trembled over the roar of the battle sounded screams of mad terror the cliffs have crumbled cried the livid squire they have thundered down into the defile and crushed every living creature in it i saw the lion banner wave an instant amid the dust and falling stones and then it vanished ah the nemedian's shout was triumphed well may they shout for the fall of the cliffs has wiped out five thousand of our bravest knights hark to conan's ears came a vast torrent of sound rising and rising in frenzy the king is dead the king is dead flee flee the king is dead liars panted conan dogs knaves cowards oh crom if i could but stand but but crawl to the river with my sword in my teeth how boy do they flee ay sobbed the squire they spur for the river they are broken hurled on like spume before a storm i see pallantitas striving to stem the torrent he is down and the horses trample him they rush into the river knights bowmen pikemen all mixed and mingled in one mad torrent of destruction the nemedians are on their heels cutting them down like corn but they will make a stand on this side of the river cried the king with an effort that brought the sweat dripping from his temples he heaved himself up on his elbows Nay cried the squire they cannot they are broken routed oh god's that i should live to see this day then he remembered his duty and shouted to the men-at-arms who stood stolidly watching the flight of their comrades get a horse swiftly and help me lift the king upon it we dare not bide here but before they could do his bidding the first drift of the storm was upon them knights and spearmen and archers fled among the tents stumbling over ropes and baggage and mingled with them were Numidian riders who smote right and left at all alien figures tent ropes were cut fire sprang up in a hundred places and the plundering had already begun the grim guardsmen about conan's tent died where they stood smiting and thrusting and over their mangled corpses beat the hoofs of the conquerors but the squire had drawn the flap close, and in the confused madness of the slaughter, none realized that the pavilion held an occupant. So the flight and the pursuit swept past and roared away up the valley, and the squire looked out presently to see a cluster of men approaching the royal tent with evident purpose. "'Here comes the king of Nemedia with four companions, and his squire,' quoth he, "'he will accept your surrender, my fair lord.' Surrender the devil's heart, gritted the king. He had forced himself to a sitting posture. He swung his legs painfully off the Dais and staggered upright, reeling drunkenly. The squire ran to assist him, but Conan pushed him away. Give me that bow, he gritted, indicating a long bow and quiver that hung from a tent pole. But your Majesty, cried the squire in great perturbation. The battle is lost. It were the part of majesty to yield with the dignity becoming one of royal blood. I have no royal blood, ground Conan. I am a barbarian and the son of a blacksmith. Wrenching away the bow and an arrow, he staggered toward the opening of the pavilion. So formidable was his appearance, naked but for short leather breeks and sleeveless shirt open to reveal his great hairy chest with his huge limbs and his blue eyes blazing under his tangled black mane that the squire shrank back more afraid of his king than of the whole nemedian host reeling on wide braced legs conan drunkenly tore the door flap open and staggered out under the canopy the king of nemedia and his companions had dismounted and they halted short Staring in wonder at the apparition confronting them Here I am you jackals roared the Cimmerian. I am the king death to you dog brothers He jerked the arrow to its head and loosed and the shaft feathered itself in the breast of the knight who stood beside Tarascus Conan hurled the bow at the king of nemedia curse my shaking hand come in and take me if you dare reeling backward on unsteady legs he fell with his shoulders against a tent pole and propped upright he lifted his great sword with both hands by mitra it is the king swore tarascus he cast a swift look about him and laughed that other was a jackal in his harness In dogs and take his head the three soldiers men at arms wearing the emblem of the royal guards rushed at the king and one fell the squire with a blow of a mace the other two fared less well as the first rushed in lifting his sword Conan met him with a sweeping stroke that severed male links like cloth and sheared the Nemedian's arm and shoulder clean from his body his corpse pitching backward fell across his companions legs the man stumbled, and before he could recover, the great sword was through him. Conan wrenched out his steel with a racking gasp and staggered back against the tent pole. His great limbs trembled, his chest heaved, and sweat poured down his face and neck. But his eyes flamed with exultant savagery, and he panted, "'Why do you stand far off, dog of Belverus?" I can't reach you come in and die Tarascus hesitated Glanced at the remaining man-at-arms and his squire a gaunt satyrine man in blackmail and took a step forward He was far inferior in size and strength to the giant Cimmerian But he was in full armor and was famed in all the Western nations as a swordsman but his squire caught his arm nay your majesty do not throw away your life i will summon archers to shoot this barbarian as we shoot lions neither of them had noticed that a chariot had approached while the fight was going on and now came to a halt before them but conan saw looking over their shoulders and a queer chill sensation crawled along his spine There was something vaguely unnatural about the appearance of the black horses that drew the vehicle But it was the occupant of the chariot that arrested the king's attention He was a tall man superbly built clad in a long unadorned silk robe He wore a shemitish headdress and its lower folds hid his features except for the dark magnetic eyes The hands that grasped the reins, pulling the rearing horses back on their haunches, were white but strong. Conan glared at the stranger. All his primitive instincts roused. He sensed an aura of menace and power that exuded from this veiled figure, a menace as definite as the windless waving of tall grass that marks the path of the serpent. "'Hail, Zaltotun!" exclaimed Tarascus. Here was the king of Aquilonia. He did not die in the landslide as we thought. I know, answered the other without bothering to say how he knew. What is your present intention? I will summon the archers to slay him, answered the Nemedian. As long as he lives, he will be dangerous to us. Yet even a dog has uses, answered Zaltotun. Take him alive. Conan laughed raspingly. (laughs) "'Come in and try,' he challenged. "'But for my treacherous legs, I'd hew you out of that chariot like a woodman hewing a tree. (sighs) "'But you'll never take me alive, damn you!' "'He speaks the truth, I fear,' said Tarascus. "'The man is a barbarian, with the senseless ferocity of a wounded tiger. "'Let me summon the archers.' "'Watch me and learn wisdom.' advised Saltotun. His hand dipped into his robe and came out with something shining a glistening sphere This he threw suddenly at Conan The Cimmerian contemptuously struck it aside with his sword at the instant of contact There was a sharp explosion a flare of white blinding flame and Conan pitched senseless to the ground He's dead Taraskus's tone was more assertion than inquiry. No, he is but senseless. He will recover his senses in a few hours. Bid your men bind his arms and legs and lift him into my chariot. With a gesture, Taraskus did so, and they heaved the senseless king into the chariot, grunting with their burden. Xaltotun threw a velvet cloak over his body, completely covering him from any who might peer in. He gathered the reins in his hands I'm for Belverus, he said tell Amalric that I will be with him if he needs me but with Conan out of the way and his army broken Lance and sword should suffice for the rest of the conquest prospero cannot be bringing more than ten thousand men to the field and will doubtless fall back to Tarantia when he hears the news of the battle say nothing to Amalric or Valerius or anyone about our capture Let them think Conan died in the fall of the cliffs. He looked at the man-at-arms for a long space until the guardsman moved restlessly, nervous under the scrutiny. "'What is that about your waist?' Zaltotun demanded. "'Why, my girdle, may it please you, my lord,' started the amazed (laughs) guardsman. "'You lie!' Zaltotun's laugh was merciless as a sword-edge. It is a poisonous serpent what a fool you are to wear a reptile about your waist With distended eyes the man looked down and to his utter horror He saw the buckle of his girdle rear up at him. It was a snake's head He saw the evil eyes and the dripping fangs heard the hiss and felt the loathsome contact of the thing about his body he screamed hideously and struck at it with his naked hand felt its fangs flesh themselves in his hand and then he stiffened and fell heavily tarascus looked out at him without expression he saw only the leathern girdle and the buckle the pointed tongue of which was stuck in the guardsman's palm xaltotun turned his hypnotic gaze on tarascus's squire and the man turned ashen and began to tremble, but the king interposed, "'Nay, we can trust him.' The sorcerer tautened the reins and swung the horses around. "'See that this piece of work remains secret. "'If I am needed, let Altaro, Arastas's servant, "'summon me as I have taught him. "'I will be in your palace at Belveris.' Sarascus lifted his hand in salutation, but his expression was not pleasant to see as he looked after the departing mesmerist why should he spare the cimmerian whispered the frightened squire that i am wondering myself grunted tarascus behind the rumbling chariot the dull roar of battle and pursuit faded in the distance the setting sun rimmed the cliffs with scarlet flame And the chariot moved into the vast blue shadows floating up out of the east. End of chapter three.